0: Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson today comes to us from the Gospel of John, Chapter 3. Verses 1 through 17, this can be found in your pew Bible on page number 88. If you brought your own Bible, John chapter 3 is one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible, so hopefully you will have no problems finding that. Hear now these words as we read verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I told you about earthly things, And you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. This week has been an interesting week in the life of the church and in all of our lives as we have been, as I mentioned earlier, so attuned to the news and hearing the reports about the spread of the COVID-19 virus. And so we have been trying to encourage people to take good care, to be smart in the ways that you engage other people, practicing safe space between you and others around you. I have two sons that just have, have flown out. One is in California and one is in Colorado for different events. And so before they left, I made sure that they knew, wash your hands frequently. Use hand sanitizer. Don't touch your face. These are the safe things that we've been hearing about. But this past week, uh, Wednesday evening, as I was preparing to come to choir practice, I had washed my hands as I was preparing to sit down to eat. And as I did, I did the thing that I'd heard in the news. I I sang happy birthday to myself twice because they say that's how long it needs to go to be able to make sure your hands are clean and And then I sat down to eat and as I sat down to eat, Jennifer was working late that day and so I said my own prayer of blessing and for whatever reason, on a whim, I just prayed the Lord's Prayer as a part of my blessing as well. And as I prayed the Lord's Prayer, I immediately thought, wonder how long that took? And so I timed it that it took just a little bit over 20 seconds. And I thought, huh, that's fascinating. Maybe other people would like to know that too. So I ran to the computer while my food got cold and, and I wrote about this in the Friday email, if you received that and read it. But I, I came up with a post that just simply said, COVID-19 coronavirus tip, instead of singing happy birthday to yourself twice while washing your hands, why not recite the Lord's Prayer? And I posted that on the Orange United Methodist Church Facebook page. Social media can be bad in many ways, but it's amazing. Because that post, immediately I began getting responses and that people were sharing it. And as of just a short while ago, 52,000 people, over 52,000 people have engaged that site, have seen that post through social media. It has been shared almost 500 times and people have been commenting and liking on this Orange United Methodist Church invitation to prayer. Folks, it's one of the easiest ways. If you're involved in social media, you can find us on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's just one of the easiest ways that you can invite people to prayer. And it's amazing to me how viral this post went. So what? (laughs) But I say that because it's really an opportunity for us to speak into the reality. This is a scary time. And we have a lot of fear. And there's a lot of misunderstanding And in these times, we certainly do need to go to God in prayer. And so I hope that you will engage in that prayer as well. And before we go further, let us pray. Father God Almighty, I give thanks for that you are the God that is always with us in times of fear and in times of calm. I take such solace that you are the one who proclaimed peace to the storm. May you proclaim that peace to us. And today, in this time that we share together, Lord, may you speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. 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 As we're in the season of Lent, we are going through the Gospel of John and considering some of the questions that Jesus asked within the Gospel of John. Last week, we began with Pastor Corey talking to us about from the first chapter of John and Jesus asking, what do you seek? We had to look and find ourselves in that story and try to find, what is it that we seek in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Today we're turning to another set of questions that Jesus asked. And as we encounter these questions, I think it's helpful for us to consider the answers, how we might answer these questions. And today we're looking at the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus is only mentioned in the scriptures three times. And the final time, one of the very final time that Nicodemus is mentioned is when he's there at the cross with Joseph of Arimathea to give Jesus a decent burial. One wonders what Nicodemus must have been thinking as he stood there waiting for the body of Christ to be taken down from the cross. This wealthy man bringing fine linens and a bountiful amount of expensive spices to anoint the body, of the one who had died as a common criminal. Was he still mystified about what Jesus had asked him on this night? Was he still puzzled by Jesus' response when he pressed his question about how one could be born again? Did he not yet understand that it's nothing that you do, Nicodemus, Jesus would say. It's nothing that you do. It's what the Spirit does. It's all grace. Position, honor, success, responsibility, who you know, what you have, it all counts for nothing. It's all grace that's the issue jesus is questioning nicodemus about in our scripture today are you a teacher of israel and do not know these things how will you understand how will you know the heavenly things if you do not believe the earthly things that i tell you and today this becomes a question for us it's a question of grace So let's look at Nicodemus and consider who Nicodemus was, this man. He was an important man as he was one of the well-thought-of group of Pharisees. Pharisees who are the people that have devoted themselves to the study of law, and he comes to Jesus at night under the cover of darkness, which I love the Gospel of John. Some of you know that I appreciate and enjoy wordplay. I love nothing like a good pun. Derek shared a pun with me just before uh, the service. I I love... Love puns because I think they have the, obviously the dual meaning. And I love to be able to tell a pun and nobody get it. It's I feel like I've pulled one over on. It. The Gospel of John is full of these types of puns. Not really to be funny, not that mine are funny either. But John he, he tells them in such a way, he uses these stories of Jesus that there's this depth. There's these dual meanings to just about everything. As I was reading that scripture out loud once again, I was reminded of the level of puns that John is throwing in John chapter 3. There's so many. If you take a look at it once again, I invite you this week, reread it. See if you can find all the ones that have dual meanings, how he might be alluding to something else that is to come. And here, as Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness. Once again, we see one of these dual meanings, one of these puns, so to speak, that the gospel writer John uses in his scripture. We see this theme of darkness coming to light. And so in the darkness, Nicodemus comes to try to receive the light. For Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So Nicodemus, he was prudent. He had a reputation to maintain Because all eyes were upon the Pharisees, for these were the ones that knew the law better than anyone else. And so going to see Jesus could have been a questionable pursuit, and so it might have behooved him to go under the cover of darkness. And as Pharisees, these were really, they get such a bad rap. Uh, just this past week, as I was with Rick at Band of Brothers, the Bible study that Rick teaches at Bob Evans restaurants, the restaurant, not plural, uh, restaurant, and it's 7 o'clock on Thursdays. I got all the details right. All right, Rick's teaching us through the Gospel of John right now, and we're enjoying so much. And, and I mentioned, I think it was this past week, about the Pharisees get such a bad rap. I mean, we think about them and what all they do and how they're always against Jesus. But these are people that that wanted to know the law and wanted to be right. They wanted to be obedient. These are good people. They really wanted to do the right thing for God. There was really never more than 6,000 of them, and they were a close brotherhood. And they entered into this brotherhood of the Pharisees by taking a pledge before three witnesses. That pledge that they made in front of these three witnesses was that they would spend all of their lives observing every detail of the law. They would study those first five books, the Torah. They would study them, and to add or take away anything from them was a deadly sin. I mean, the word Pharisee even literally means separated one. They saw themselves as separating themselves from the ordinary life. In order to keep every detail of the law. So it was this, this good man who was committed to the law that came to Jesus that night inquiring about salvation. Perhaps nobody could have understood Jesus' words, but for Nicodemus to not understand the words about you must be born again, for that to be shocking for him is somewhat surprising. Because as a Pharisee, he would know that the language that they would often use when a Gentile would become a Jew, they had to receive a new life. They had to forsake all other parts of their past to become a new identity. He already knew this language of this new life. And yet he misses it when Jesus says that you must be born from above or born again. It's beautiful. That's one of the puns that Jesus uses here as he uses it he says that one must be born and the word can be defined either as translated as either born again or born from above again this dual nature But Nicodemus can't understand it all he can picture is the literal being born again how can one be born again when they have grown old Jesus tells him quite simply This relationship with God, it's all about grace. It's 100% all about grace. It reminds me of my favorite illustration of understanding grace about a man that died and went to the pearly gates of heaven. I've told you this before. And St. Peter's there, and he sees a sign at the entrance that says, entrance requires 100 points. And so the man steps up to St. Peter and asks, how do I get 100 points? And St. Peter said, well, you tell me about your life, and we'll see how things add up. He says, okay, great. I should be able to do this in no time. First of all, I was a faithful member of my church for over 40 years. St. Peter says, that is great, outstanding, 12 points. He's thinking, that's not much. Well, look, I taught middle school teenagers in Sunday school at that church. Middle school teenagers, whew. Wow, that's something. Three points. The man's just flabbergasted. What? I was married to the same woman for 54 years, and you don't know that woman. I mean, it was a miracle. (laughs) St. Peter says, oh, I've heard. Wow, four points. And he continues to tell all these things about his life, and he sees at the end that he's going to come up far short. He'll never reach that 100 points. And he finally exasperatedly proclaims, I'm only going to get into heaven by the grace of God. St. Peter says, ah, 100 points. See, that's what what Nicodemus is missing here. Nicodemus wants to be able to have a list of things to do. He comes to Jesus, and he's just wanting, I know there's something different about you. I want you to tell me the things to do, um, the things not to do. I want to do this list. And what Jesus says, you know what? It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done in you. And so let's look at that phrase that, that trips Nicodemus up. You must be born again. You know that word, born again? Uh, I'm a born again Christian. That's a word that has received such negative connotation in many ways in our society today. So many times we hear it used to describe somebody that has gone wayward somewhere in their adult life, but then has come back to God and had a dramatic conversion experience. But that isn't how everyone experiences God. But when somebody knows Christ and they are a Christian, whether they have had a dramatic prodigal son story or not, they're born again as we receive a new life. And as Nicodemus has come, Nicodemus' problem isn't that he didn't want to change. In fact, that's why he came to see Jesus. It wasn't his desire to change that was the hang-up. It was the possibility of how could this be? He would have been happy for Jesus to have given him a list of things to go and to do, something he could keep control of on his own. Things to do, laws to keep. But the new birth that Jesus speaks of is not something that we can orchestrate. It has nothing to do with the rules, commandments, worthiness, or works. It comes like a birth that we have no control over. We never made a decision when we were inside of the womb to say, today's the day that I want to be born. We didn't have that choice. It was a choice that came upon us, and we had no control over that. In this new birth, it's not what we're going to do. It's what we're going to surrender and let God do through us. It's like that wind that refreshes us, a wind that can be seen That can be felt, but not seen. It's grace. Jesus is saying that's all. It's all about grace. How it happens is not important. That it happens is the most important thing in the world. For to know that Christ has given us new life and our salvation is not our own doing. That's God's grace. And this trips up Nicodemus. Once again, somebody that has studied the law, he wants to know what to do and what not to do, and he wants a list. He trips over this idea that it's not something you do. It's what God does. And you know what? We trip over grace in that same way. How will we understand the heavenly things when we can't understand the earthly things that Jesus has taught us? Think about it. If you beat yourself up, for the sins of the past. We just did a series called Letting Go of these things that we've been holding on to. And sometimes we may have something that we've done in our past that every now and then we think, oh, I'm so sorry, God, that I ever did that. God has already forgiven that. And when we have gone to him with that, we're the ones that are still tripping over grace because we're still holding on to it. And we can understand how God would love somebody that did something like that. If you've ever felt better about yourself Because maybe your sins aren't as bad as somebody else's sins. We're missing the point. We're tripping over grace. We're not understanding it. If you've ever felt better about yourself because you say, Oh, well, I may be a sinner, but I'm not that kind of sinner. Noted that I pointed not towards anybody out here. When we try to do that and feel better about ourselves, then we're not understanding and we're not receiving that grace that Jesus is offering to us. If you quit trying, if we quit trying to walk in his footsteps, we're tripping over grace. See, the whole of Christian life, the whole of it all is grace. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. You must be born again. Cut all old ties to receive this new life. It's not something you do. It's something God does, and he does it through the spirit. The wind blows where it wills. You see the sign of it, and you feel it, but you do not, do not know where it comes or where it goes. It's all about grace and what God gives to you. And I was reminded of a word that I read from Will Willimon, retired bishop within the church, and uh, he wrote these words. We are so preoccupied with the need to make a decision for Christ that we forget in Christ God has once and for all made a decision for us. We can do little to add or improve upon God's acceptance of us in Christ except to say yes and to enjoy it. See, that's the amazing thing to me. Not so much that I would surrender to God, but that God would look and say, that's my baby. That God would accept us. And that God would love us so much that he was willing to offer the gift of his son to pay a price that we ourselves could never pay (coughs) so that we might have a new life. That we would be a new creation. I'm not who I used to be. God did that for you in Jesus. And what he calls in this life for us to follow, this new life, the thing that we keep struggling to understand is that instead of us trying to live perfectly, know that you are loved perfectly. Know that you are loved perfectly by God. And in response, may we come to understand what it means to show that love in the ways that God has shown it to us. Today, how will we understand the heavenly things when we struggle with the earthly things? It's all, it's all, about what God has done in his gift of grace. Let us pray. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.